Hey to all you fish enthusiasts out there. Whether you're an avid angler or just curious about fish, we'd like to welcome you to Fish of the Week. It's Monday, May 17th, 2021, and we're excited to talk about all the fish. I'm Katrina Liebich with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service in Alaska. And I'm Guy Iro and a sausage vagabond. <laughs> and our guest today is Andy Stevens, who hails from the Midwest U.S. and now works as a fisheries biologist for our Anchorage Fish and Wildlife Conservation Office. Hey, Andy. Hey, thanks for having me. So in the spirit of spring, I want to do a little icebreaker and see how many common names we can come up with for Northern Pike. So, Guy, go. Northerns. Hammer handle. Slimers. Water wolf. Maybe less endearing. I've heard them called snot rockets. Yep. Um, sluice shark. Well, that's a good one. People will call them pickerel. Yeah, they're similar. You guys obviously know a lot more names for this fish than I do. Why are there so many names for this particular species? Being that they're a fairly charismatic species, you know, they got big teeth and they're, you know, they're opportunistic predators. I would call them opportunistic ambush predators. That gives them a lot of a lot of good opportunity for cool nicknames. So, water wolf. You know, you're thinking of something that's kind of lying and waiting in the in the weeds. It's going to ambush its prey. Uh, they got big teeth and they're pretty aggressive and pretty voracious. Maybe that's where you know a term like that comes from. The terms like snot rockets or slimers. That's primarily due to pike having a really distinct slimy coating on their bodies that you know, anglers initially don't like that. They get in your boat, they can get slime on the carpet, stink things up a little bit. But for the fish, that that slime coating is is what's one, it's protecting them from infection, things like that. But two, it's what it's what also gives pike that ability to torpedo and shoot out and just glide through the water that much faster to catch prey. And just to give folks a grounding and what those guys look like, what are they all they all kind of look similar and you mentioned sometimes people call a pike a pickerel what's like what's what are some common just traits that they share most fish in the esox genus in the esocidae family look pretty similar they're generally long skinny torpedo shaped fish with variations in patterns and colors on them ranging from stripes to to small dots arranged in a stripe like pattern and they generally have a a larger bill-shaped mouth with a big mouthful of teeth, big eyes. They're definitely sight feeders. And I think what's really cool about fish in the Esox genus is that they have their fin structures generally pushed to the back of the fish. So normally you think of a dorsal fin being on the top, middle of a fish's back. But these fish, they're, they're scooched to the back, and it really gives them the ability to, to take off quick from like a sit-and-wait ambush standpoint. They have the ability to shape their bodies into an S and just spring load out to, to attack their prey. So you mentioned the slime coating and how you can get it on your hands and how that's also important for protecting the fish from pathogens. And you also mentioned that these fish have big teeth. So I imagine that our listeners could benefit from uh, some tips on how to properly handle these fish, both for the fish's sake and for their own. Yeah, one, so the pike, they have you know huge canine teeth in their, in their lower and upper jaw. So you're going to watch out for that. And they also have some really sharp and I guess they're, they're backwards pointing teeth in the roof of their mouth as well. Those are called, uh, they're called palatine teeth. And there's also teeth like structures in their gill rakers. So getting your hand anywhere near the fish's mouth, eh, that's a bad idea. So 
for, for your own safety, you're going to want to have a tool called a jaw spreaders. It's just a little spring-like metal device that you put in the mouth and it'll hold and prop it open so you can safely get a really long uh, needle nose pliers in to safely get your hooks out. I'd also say that for the fish's sake, you're going to want to, you know, make sure it's out of the water as little as possible. You don't want to stress it out too much. You know, it's coming from a lot of times the bigger fish, especially that come from cold water and deeper environments. They're coming up to a hot, sunny environment with no, you know, they can't breathe there. So they're pretty stressed out as is. So you're going to want to be pretty quick with handling them. Set them in a secure spot on the floor so they can't flop around and injure themselves and get the hooks out quick. Another thing too is you see folks who are maybe less sure with how to handle a pike. You'll see photos of them holding it by the eyeballs. They'll get their fingers right into the eye sockets. That's really destructive for the fish. There's studies showing that it can damage the optic nerve and cause them to go blind. So don't hold the fish by the eyes. Don't get the hands near the mouth. Where do you want to hold this fish so you can hold it securely, but also not hurt it? A lot of times the small ones, you can get your hands around them pretty easily and hold them, hold them securely and safely. But the big ones that you're really worried about injuring, how I like to hold it is and I like to get one hand underneath the belly and the other hand up on the gill plate. You can hold it safely so that your fingers aren't going far into the gill plates where you're getting into the gill rakers and possibly cut yourself or injure the fish but you can get a really sturdy grip on that gill plate and that's going to really help you hold that fish. And you want to make sure when you're holding a big pike up as well, that you're holding it horizontally and not vertically. Cause if you hold that fish by the gill plate and you hold it up, all that weight of that big pike is compressing on its spine. And when you think about this fish, its whole life is spent horizontally in the water. The weight is being distributed, you know, in the water, but when you hold it up like that, the individual spine um, little spine segments are getting compressed by all that weight. You'll even feel sometimes a big fish, you'll feel a slight popping if you hold it that way. And that, that can't lead to good outcomes for, for big fish to be held out. What are pike doing during this transition from ice to open water? And why are they doing those things? This time of year, pike are kind of getting ready for their, for their big spawning period. And so water temperature is really going to dictate a lot of what's happening right now. Where the ice is still on, like in Alaska, they're going to start to stage in some of the shallower bays that have vegetation in them or where there's uh, flowing water coming in. That's where these fish are starting to get ready for their spawn. So they're going to be hanging out on the edge of these bays, just eating and getting ready. Um, shortly after that, once the ice comes off, your water's going to be around the, in the 40s to 50s. That's when the spawn's happening. So that's when the, the females, usually each one's accompanied by two males, are going to start swimming up into the shallower areas, especially where there's weeds. And that's when they spend a couple weeks kind of doing their thing. Shortly after that, the females are going to zip back out into a little deeper water to recuperate. It can be pretty hard to fish for them around this time after spawn because they, they lose like 15% of their body size just in eggs. They're pretty, pretty tired and pretty beat up after spawning season. It just occurs to me now that we, I don't know that we've mentioned how big these fish can get. What is a trophy sized pike and what's a normal sized one that you might run into? The all world record is 55 pounds from a lake in Germany. And I looked up the Alaska record is 38 pounds. That was caught in the Anoko river. And, and then just for comparison in Minnesota, here in the Midwest, 45 pounds is the record. Very rarely are going to see a fish that big. I'd say a trophy fish that's going to be a little bit more common is going to be around that 15, 20 pound range. 
but just for your average angler, I'd say most fish you're going to see are going to be in the two to six pound range. What's your strategy in the spring for the types of habitats you're going to be targeting? Um, Where are you looking for them kind of when that transition is happening? Just like if you were going to go to a new lake, what would you be looking for or a new system? I think there's three main factors to consider this time of year when you're looking for pike. I'd say temperature, weeds, and bait size. First off, decide when you're going to go fish for them based on the temperature of the water. And I'd say this time of year, there's some different phases for for pike fishing. As we talked about earlier, there's the pre-spawn phase, which is usually when the ice is still on or right after it's going off. That's when these fish are starting to stage in the spawning grounds. So kind of on the edge of those bays again. I'd say the second phase is the spawning phase, which is when the water is around 40 to 50. And then you have the post-spawn is when the temperatures are about 55 to 60. That's so I'd say that's when it's when it's game on for time to target them, either that pre-spawn, low 40s, or post-spawn in the mid-50s to lower 60s. Then what you're looking for are are weedy areas. So they like to associate with those those weeds to hide and to feed. That's where a lot of the forage is. That's where they're blending in and they can use their kind of ambush predatory style of nature. And uh, it's, it's just going to congregate all the things that they're looking for. And, and for, so for bait size, one thing that's kind of cool with pike, you know, just given that they can grow so big, they're so aggressive and they have such large mouth size is uh, you got to think about optimal forage theory. A fish given the choice is going to select the bait size. that's up to 33% of its body size. Hmm. So it's uh, do you want, do you want one double cheeseburger or do you want to eat your whole meal in just French fries? So I think a pike is going to be going for the bigger food items, the bigger baits. So I'm not afraid to throw something that's this larger. I was going to show, I'll show one lure here and I'll describe it. This is probably my favorite one this time of year. It's a, oh, is this going to show up? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's a, that it's a white, white sucker. What is that? Yeah. It's like a rubber white sucker lookalike. So for folks who can't see this, it's just kind of a rubbery, plastic bait that looks like a bait fish it's the white sucker is kind of a soft fin kind of white and dark blotchy colored minnow that pike like to key in on and and this one has a big paddle tail with two big treble hooks on the bottom and it's just something that kind of stays buoyant in the water and you can retrieve it nice and slowly and depending on where you're at in those phases whether you're in the pre-spawn or the post-spawn depending on how active the fish are something like this is really good because it's moving slow if those fish are a little bit more lethargic and less active, they're more willing to come up and hit something like this. Yeah. Have you ever used a duck lure? Yes. I would say my all-time favorite way to fish for northern pike is topwater. So like frogs and ducks and stuff like that? Yeah. Ducks, frogs, mice have all sorts of crazy lures. Some, some that look like and imitate wounded loons, baby ducklings. Yeah, if you ever want to have a fun time, just go on YouTube and type in topwater pike attacks. You can see all sorts of stuff. They eat ducks, they eat mice, just about anything that moves. I mean, they're an alpha predator, and when they're hungry, when they're active, as long as it moves, it doesn't really matter. They're, they're willing to take down anything. In terms of what you're putting behind the lure and the leader, what kind of rod, what kind of reel, is there anything to consider when choosing a setup? Yeah, definitely. Especially when you're fishing for bigger pike or even some of the medium sized ones. They're they're pretty powerful fish. They're they really run 
really aggressively. So you're going to want tackle rods and, and line that are, that are a little bit more upsized than a lot of the other fishing you're going to be doing. So I like to have at a minimum a six and a half foot rod, medium to medium heavy. Also, you're going to be throwing big baits a lot of the times for these pikes. So you're going to want something that can handle that big lure when you're casting it far. Generally, I'll run like 20 pound braid on my, on my reels. I'll use a little bit bigger reel. He's like a six and a half, half to a seven foot rod. So when, when it comes to fishing, we do want to make note that pike have an interesting dichotomy here in Alaska. So they're both extremely valued as a subsistence and a sport fish throughout their native range, which is actually a huge swath of Alaska, basically all of Alaska's interior to the Arctic coast from the Canadian border to the Seward Peninsula and southwest to the Bristol Bay drainages, where they've been introduced illegally in south central Alaska. So basically the Matsu Valley down to the Kenai Peninsula, they're considered an invasive species. So you kind of hear both of these messages here in Alaska, at least where you've got, you know, extremely valued fish and then a fish that folks are trying to actually remove from systems where they're not native to. So just wanted to throw that out there. And I don't know if you guys have thoughts on that? While pike are valuable in some parts of the state, they can be highly destructive to the Salmonid populations and others. I think one of the big things is people stocking pike in places they're not supposed to be. Fishermen in Alaska who are interested in pike uh, should just be aware that there are certain parts of the state where pike are native and where they, where they belong and are natural, and then parts of the state where they're considered invasive, where they were introduced legally or through other methods and in the spots that they're invasive they can have negative effects on the the native and local trout populations it's really important to know which which part of the state you're in and what the rules and regulations are yeah it's actually illegal to move fish from water body to water body whether it's a a pike or a stickleback or, or anything it's just something that can lead to unintended consequences even if you're in your intentions might be good yeah, even if it's native range to native range you still get like population level outbreeding depression and things like yeah. that so and it's just yeah like andy said good to know where you're at in the state if you're finding species that you don't think should be there and also always check your alaska department of fishing game regulations book for the current year there's a lot of good information online that folks can look at So it's time for that part of the show where we talk about eating our featured species. So Andy, we wanted to know if you have a favorite pike recipe or two and any tips for folks that might be intimidated by Y-bones or filleting pike. Yeah, I think a lot of anglers are are intimidated by the Y-bones. And for that reason, maybe, and also with the slime, they don't like to fish for them or eat them. But I think pike are delicious. And you can figure out how to clean them just right to get those wide ones out. They can be easily become one of your favorite fish to eat. What I like to do is I'm a big fan of pickled pike. That's probably my number one way to prepare them. So usually what I'll do with that is I'll just cut the flay off with all the wide bones in and I'll just cut it up into small cubes. And then I will put it in a salt brine and then a vinegar brine. And then you uh, soak it for a couple of weeks in a pickling brine. And I think it's really, really good to eat that way. Peter Piper packed a peck of pickle pickle. <laughs> I messed up on the pickled pickle part. 
Do you eat that on a cracker or anything, Andy? Or how you just eat them straight out of the, the jar like a pickle? Or how do you do that? Yeah, pickled pickled pike and wheat things. You can't go wrong right there. Nice. Or or with little Reese's crackers. It's always a lunchtime favorite at my old fisheries office. I enjoyed uh, the, the limited uh, number of pikes that I've eaten. I've enjoyed, you know, slap some Tony Sashrays or something on there. It'll taste like whatever season. I will say I fried up some, some hearts, some pike hearts once, and they tasted super fishy, you know, super bloody because of their hearts, but I uh, would not recommend that. Uh, just stick with the regular meat. Do you guys know anything about pike patties? I've, I've been reading on the Alaskan pike forums and folks are making pike patties. I would guess you would grind up pike and then mix it with like breadcrumbs or eggs and make like a kind of like a salmon patty i bet it's delicious i don't know that we've done that though interesting so you just prepare those and freeze a bunch of the patties away for later yeah we've done it with salmon so we take salmon and a little bit of shrimp and mix yeah grind it through our meat grinder and then freeze it in a you know a, a vacuum sealed package and then you can pull it out of the freezer thaw it Mix it with whatever kind of, yeah, I guess you probably need a bread, like a breadcrumb, an egg, whatever spices, yeah, and maybe chives or something like that, and then fry them up. I bet that'd be really good. Well, thank you, Andy. It was great talking with you today. Well, yeah, well, it's been, this has been fun. Thanks for letting me join. And um, we hope everybody gets out and enjoys all the fish. Thanks for listening to Fish of the Week. My name is Katrina Liebich, and my co-host is Guy Iro. Our production partner for this series is Citizen Racecar. The show is produced by David Hoffman, co-produced and story edited by Charlotte Moore. Post-production by Garrett Tiedemann. Fish of the Week is a production of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, Alaska Region, Office of External Affairs. As the service reflects on 150 years of fisheries conservation, we honor, thank, and celebrate the whole community, individuals, tribes, the state of Alaska, our sister agencies, fish enthusiasts, scientists, and others who have elevated our understanding and love as people and professionals of all the fish.